The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. The Sound Off Podcast. The podcast about broadcast with Matt Kundal. Starts now. This week, I've got Montana Getty from Global TV in Saskatoon on the show. Her career to date features, well, pretty much all the things I'm passionate about. In no particular order, that's sports, media, and politics. Notably, she's the granddaughter of Don Getty, who was a quarterback in Edmonton in the late 50s and early 60s and went on to become Premier of the province from 1985 until 1992. Yes, that's notable, and you're about to hear why. Montana is enthusiastic and puts a positive spin on her work. She's one of the hardest working broadcasters out there. And if you think today's broadcasters lack hustle, just spend the next 30 minutes here and let her change your mind. Montana Getty joins me from her home in Saskatoon. Why broadcasting? Um, when I was younger, my dad always said that he wanted to get into broadcasting. He'd want to do play-by-play. So it was kind of a natural next step for me to believe that that was something that I wanted to do because him and I are very similar. And I was always super into sports. I played all sports growing up. So I technically want to go into the sports side, but news has been a second love for me. So I didn't necessarily want to get into this part of the conversation this early about your granddad, but I have to because of that last answer. Your granddad is the late Don Getty, one-time premier of Alberta back in the 1980s. Played 10 years in the CFL with then the Edmonton Eskimos and backed up Jackie Parker. And you just mentioned that your dad wanted to do sports and play-by-play. So tell me a little bit about that, because as we know, all this stuff sort of permeates the house and spills downward. It does. It's kind of a trickle effect. So I had also gone into politics for a little bit because of my grandfather. It runs in my blood. Everyone says that people in our family are kind of natural-born leaders. So that was also a natural next step. But Obviously, sports runs in the blood, um, or my uncle, so he played for the Red Blacks. <laughs> and with sports being so prominent in our family, it just seemed like there was no other direction to go. It was just so natural to want to do that. And so tell me a little bit about the, the broadcast element. So if you're not playing sports, you want to be calling sports, and I know you like sports. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm huge into baseball. I'm very MLB. So if I was able to, I would want to do strictly baseball, but... Basically, anything with sports would be amazing because it's a passion. <laughs> That's the easiest way to put it. It's the number one thing that I'm interested in. So tell me about your affinity for baseball because you're on the prairies. I'm on the prairies and I've got baseball in the house too, but it's not the top sport. I mean, if you're on the prairies, it, it's hockey most of the time. And then you, it's a short season for, for, for baseball. Did you get much of a chance to listen to baseball when you were growing up or playing it? Yeah. Well, yeah. So I played baseball when I was younger. My dad was my coach. Then again, there's that (laughs) connection that we have. Everything sports we did together. He was also my basketball coach in high school. So he was always a Yankees fan growing up. So it was once again, natural for me to just join in on that. Ever since I was probably three, my dad was teaching us how to catch a ball. And they always played slow pitch growing up. We grew up around slow pitch tournaments We started playing at, I think, 12 with his team and still play now. I lost in the league final this year with our team here in Saskatoon, which wasn't the outcome that we were looking for. But yeah, baseball was, it's always been the number one sport, I think, for us. 
What position do you play? I play second base. I think a lot of people might have thought you would want to go to university and study political science, but you already had your political science degree based on uh, growing up with politics in the house. So tell me why you chose to go to Nate. My dad and I did a lot of research on uh, broadcasting schools, and I originally was thinking maybe going to um, Ottawa to go for school. But since I had already been living in Ottawa, I figured maybe we should go somewhere closer And when my dad did all the research on schools, which one would be the best, he learned that Nate had such a good outcome of students that were so successful that he said, there's no better place for you to go than there is to go to Nate, which I agree because it ended up being the greatest time of my life. I had so much fun and the program was so effective and so quick. And so you just learn so much in such a little time. You mentioned Ottawa. You worked in Ottawa. You were a parliamentary assistant in the House of Commons. How does that work and what is that job like? That job was very interesting. You deal with a lot of stuff when you're working in politics, especially as a 19-something that no one no one knows. You've never worked in politics before. You know, obviously, another issue is that I was a woman on Parliament Hill that was 19. And everyone thought I was naive. They didn't want to hear anything I had to say. It was kind of stressful at times. But eventually, I kind of got my bearings set. I wasn't in Ottawa for too long, though. I think it was only about five months. But it was a cool experience. Let's put it that way. I learned a lot. And it took me to another level and kind of where I wanted to figure out what I wanted in my career. What do you do? What's the job description? It wasn't really much. I didn't get any input on anything. I think I wrote a script one time. That was interesting because it was for Remembrance Day. And I was trying to, you know, write the <laughs> write the sun and the moon. But they're like, it's Remembrance Day. There's nothing new that you can say about Remembrance Day. And I was like, watch me. You think I can't say anything new about Remembrance Day? I bet I can. So they scrapped the whole thing, basically. But we went off of that. <laughs> Most of the time, I was basically organizing calendars, looking through thousands of emails a day and just kind of working with other offices to see what their input was on what we should be doing on a day basis. And then after you graduated from Nate, you did a practicum and you did some board op work and some marketing at 100.3 The Bear, which is where I used to be in Virgin Radio in Edmonton. Yeah. So actually I was doing board oping and street teaming during school. So I actually had four or five jobs during school when I was at Nate. So I was the in-game host, or I guess I played music and I did in-game announcing PA for the Natives men's and women's hockey teams. I was a street teamer with Bell in Edmonton. I did board op with Bell in Edmonton. I was a, <laughs> a media volunteer with the Alberta Party provincial election. And then I was filming football with a man who has now passed away, um, Rob, who with ICU video. All of that during school. (laughs) Okay, so I'm beginning to get the mix of the whole thing here. We've got a lot of media and broadcasting. We've got a lot of sports, and we've got some politics all mixed in together. Yeah, that's me as a person. You also worked on the 2018 Grey Cup. I can't even remember who played in the game. I I couldn't tell you either because it was the the Grey Cup festival the week before. So we were just kind of running around, taking photos, making sure we could just keep everybody in line and figure out where we were, let alone pay attention to the game. I don't even think I watched the game that year. 
Did you have a little too much spirit of Edmonton? <laughs> no, not that time. <laughs> yeah, that's very inside. For those who don't know, spirit of Edmonton is the uh, traditional Grey Cup uh, reception room, which always has the most drinking mm-hmm. at Grey Cup week. We were definitely in there taking photos, and it was interesting. I still have some on my phone. People are very interesting when it comes to alcohol. <laughs> alcohol and football are a very interesting mix. After that, I believe you did a practicum in Lloyd Minster. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the border town, and did you work on the Alberta side or the Saskatchewan side? We were on the Alberta side, but my practicum was cut short by a month because it was just as the pandemic hit. So what I was doing was day-to-day basis. I was a sports reporter in Lloyd, um, so I was just working with the local uh, Lloydminster Bobcats, the Rustlers at the university, sorry, Lake Grand College, and I was just kind of running around doing all that. I did um, Hockey Day in Sask, which was technically on the Saskatchewan side, but, you know, border city, everything's either Alberta or Saskatchewan. You never know which side you're on half the time because you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to get so many stories put together. But it was interesting. It was one of my favorite places that I've lived for no reason at all, other than I've made a lot of good memories there. But the practicum was cut short by a month. COVID had hit. They just said, go away, basically. (laughs) Don't have to be here. Your practicum's cut. We'll just, we'll graduate you. And I was like, really? Like what? That's a whole month that we're missing. So it was pretty interesting. Have you ever been torn between, you know, video and, and audio? at all? Or do you just treat them as two different things? And I mentioned that because you've already had a little bit of radio experience at this point, and but now you're invested in video as well. So have you ever been torn between the two or do you just treat them as two different piles? I was for a little bit. When I was board hopping, I thought I might want to get into radio. And in school as well, we can switch over if we want because we do some radio in first semester. And I was thinking about it because it's fun And you get to be a little bit more creative. You get to put your voice out there and say a couple more things that you would want to say, put some more input in it. However, I love doing video because I like to be on camera and I like to use a camera. So it kind of evened out to the point where I just thought maybe radio one day, but mostly TV. And tell me about your stint in Dawson Creek. (laughs) I know a lot of people are thinking, oh, she was on a TV show. It's like, no, she... She just went to work at CJDC. <laughs> You're on a TV show, but maybe three people watch it. And those three people are my mom, my baba, and my auntie. <laughs> so it was a TV show, but it was a learning TV show. It was pretty interesting as well. That was a an experience. Um, you know, you're up in a town... I guess a city where <laughs> it's a it's an oil city. So everybody's pretty aggressive, as a good way to put it. And you know, you can't just stand on the street in dress pants and a dress shirt without someone either revving their truck, telling you to F off, <laughs> telling you your fake news. Majority of the stories that we did was basically about people being anti-COVID, anti-masking, lots of stuff like that. So it was an interesting experience. It was a lot to deal with um, for your first job, but I got to do literally everything. I put the show together. I was producing, I was editing, I was writing, I was anchoring i was anchoring weather sports and news so (laughs) i got to do literally everything which was a really good experience i'm having flashbacks to oil towns (laughs) and fort mcmurray and revving trucks and Mm -hmm. being yelled at out the window and and stuff like that 
but it's after this though that you make the jump to Saskatoon to work for Global TV, correct? Yes, but I did live in Fort McMurray as well for a little bit when I was I got transferred from Ottawa to Fort McMurray when I was uh in politics. Man, you've checked all the boxes and run the gamut <laughs> of Alberta here. I know. I go north to south and I go east to west. I've been everywhere. So tell me about uh moving to Saskatoon and and how the experience is uh I guess been elevated now that you're working for a company like uh Global. Mm-hmm. So I was um I was only in Dawson Creek for well, I was in Fort St. John for one month and then I was in Dawson Creek for four months. And I my boss would said, you know, you're ready to move on, you can start applying to places whenever you want to. And I was thinking maybe I'll just stay here for a couple more months, you know, really get my feet grounded. I move four times a year basically, so I kinda wanted to just stay put for a little bit. But uh, one of the guys that I work with now, one of my, he's technically one of my bosses, he messaged me on Twitter and he said, hey, can you apply here? I watched some of your work. I think you're pretty good. We'll just do an interview and see where it goes. So it's okay. Two weeks later, I was uh, moving to Saskatoon. So <laughs> um, I love it here. I think it's a place that I would like to stay for quite a few years. The job itself is also amazing. There's a lot more work here to be done which is very nice. You know, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to find stories still because it's a big city and sometimes with COVID, not a lot is going on, but this is by far my favorite place that I've lived besides Ottawa. That's always going to be the number one. My heart kind of lives there from here on out, but I love Saskatoon and I love this job. I got really lucky. I think. (laughs) Tell me about mobility and the value of mobility. So if you're to go back and talk to people at Nate, what can you say about, the value of being able to move a number of times in a year and what it means to growing your career. It's very important. If um, when we were told in school, if you're not willing to move, you're not going to make it anywhere, which is, is true. If you're not willing to move, you're basically saying that you're stagnant. So your career is stagnant. If I didn't make that move to Dawson Creek, I would have never got that experience to be on set. If I didn't make the move to Saskatoon, I would have never gotten this experience to be with global if someone is looking to get into this industry and they're expecting not to move, they're not going to probably make it very far because you have to put in a lot of self-work and you have to sacrifice a lot. Um, you know, I miss Thanksgiving this year. That's why my mom is just visiting right now. <laughs> um, I'm going to be missing Christmas. I work weekends now. So lots of time. Time is valuable, but your career is more valuable at this point. You put your career first before anything else. And if you're not willing to move, then you're not putting your career first. Can you speak to the difference that men and women experience when it comes to moving from town to town? I hear this all the time. People go, wow, you're so brave. You move by yourself that often. And I'm like, I'm brave. Would you say that to a man? I'm not brave. I'm driven. And Another thing with moving that much, especially with women, is that people are expecting you to settle down. They're expecting you to stay in one place. They're expecting you to find a boyfriend. They're expecting you to basically give up your career and stay there and, you know, settle with them because most of the time that's what women do. They stay with men and they settle with them. And that's always something where I'm like, hey, if you want to date me, you're either following me around the country or you're staying where you're at and we're going our separate ways. So... That's another issue that I've kind of ran into sometimes where, you know, you go somewhere, you meet somebody and you go, okay, well, I'm sorry, but I'm just letting you know, I'm probably going to move in six months. And they go, oh, well, would you stay here? And you go, no, because I have goals. I have a career. I need to 
get my feet wet before I can settle down anywhere. So when we do this podcast in 10 years, the words, I followed a boy are not going to come up. (laughs) Never, never. If that happened, I think my dad would disown me. I told him, I promised him, I was like, there is no way that I'm ever going to stop my career, stay in one place just for a man. It's impossible. I would, I would go crazy, I think. If I lived out my life knowing I didn't fulfill my dreams or at least tried, I'd probably go insane. In just a second, more with Montana. What are some of the tools she uses on the job? How does she handle the losers on the street? You know the ones. They're always bitching about the mainstream media and yelling obscenities. And what about politics? And should she even have to answer questions about her political leanings? Others seem to get a pass. And we talk about the power of positivity. Yes, it's possible to inject some positivity into the news. And as always, there's more on the episode page at soundoffpodcast.com. Hey, I'm Marianne Iveson. I'm the new kid on the block in radio imaging in North America. And I'd love to work with your station the next time you want a fresh new sound. Maybe you want something slick for your CHR station. 1067 KISS FM wants to spread the hairy love. Or a little more attitude for your rock or sports station. Choose the music. Win cash. Welcome back to school from Edmonton sports leader TSN 1260. And I even do AC. W-A-V-V. If you're a PD or decision maker, I'd love to send you a demo for your stations. Hit me up at ivisonvoice.com. That's I-V-I-S-O-N voice.com. Imaging and production for radio made easy from Megatrax Production Music. Add a sense of British flair to your productions with London's No Sheet Music. From the team behind Wise Buddha, No Sheet Music are musicians and music fans. It's as simple as that. Their albums range from contemporary to classical, orchestral to electronic, and they're always usable and sonically excellent. Don't miss the hottest sounds by adding Deep East music to your deal. Music from Deep East elevates a story and amplifies a message with a serious buzz. Always fresh and intuitive, and of course, the highest quality, they've always got their ears to the ground for the latest worldwide trends. Head on over to megatracks.com or call us at 818-255-7100 for your music licensing requests. That's M-E-G-A-T-R-A-X dot com. The Sound Art Podcast. So another thing that you're doing that runs a little bit against the grain of a lot of media, and that's injecting some positivity into the stories that you do. How do you do that? I'm a pretty positive person to begin with. I get that a lot. People always say, you know, you're so outgoing. You're so positive. Like, how do you stay so upbeat all the time? Lots of the time, obviously, I'm not. Our job is very difficult. You know, you deal with a lot of terrible stories, a lot of really traumatic issues, and just people in general. There's a lot of people that, you know, you have to deal with on a day-to-day basis, either their stories or their concerns. And it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of mental mental, what would you say? Strain. Strain. Yeah. To me, my dad always said, if you stay positive in life, you'll be happy because you can keep yourself happy. So if I am able to put some positivity into the news, because lots of it is negative. Lots of people that I talk to, they say, oh, I don't watch the news. It's too negative. So if I can put out a happy story or at least put some positivity into it, you know, you say, well, this terrible thing happened. And the next line goes, but this is also a positive that follows along with it. 
if it fits in the story properly, then that's always what I try to do because you know, you don't want to live a negative life. It drags people down and you really just want to make sure that you're putting out the best news and the best positivity to people because if they're watching the news every day, they're intaking that. They're carrying it with them throughout the day. And if you leave them with something positive, they'll remember that and they'll be happier for the rest of the day. You've mentioned your dad a few times now. Tell me about your dad. <laughs> oh, Derek Getty. He's just taught me so much. I don't know. My mom obviously has taught me a lot as well, but my dad and I were always very close because of sports. And I just learned so much from him. He's so knowledgeable. Anytime I need advice, he's always there. It doesn't matter what it is, sports. I could just text him and say, dad, I keep popping up in slow pitch. What do I do? What am I doing wrong? And he's like, you need to drop your shoulder. You need to raise your elbow, whatever it is. He's like, you just, he's either that he'll say, keep your eye on the ball. You're thinking too much. So it always depends. I don't know what he's going to say. So I just need to ask his, his advice, but he's always just kind of been my best friend. He's there with me all the time. And, you know, sometimes like I'm in different provinces all the time. I don't get to see him very often. So he'll get the call every once in a while of me just laying in bed sobbing saying, I haven't been home in a year and a half. I miss you guys. Or, you know, I'm up in Dawson Creek. I'm alone. I was up in Fort St. John for three weeks without furniture. I was sleeping on the floor. And I said, dad, I don't know if I can do this. I'm lonely. My back hurts. I'm hungry. Like I don't have any money. I'm broke. I'm not getting paid enough. And he just goes, you can do it. Don't ever let anyone dim your light. That's always what he says to me. You can do it. He's like my built-in cheerleader. (laughs) What's in your toolkit when it comes to shooting a story? Are you doing it with iPhone? What are some of the hacks that you have? What do you like to have in your pocket when you're going out to do a story? What's the one piece of equipment that if you don't bring it, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm screwed? The one piece of equipment is just the camera. We don't use our phones Basically, camera, tripod, microphone. (laughs) It's just, ours is pretty old school. We got the big cameras. They're about 20, 25 pounds with the battery on them. Um, And then you're carrying a tripod. Right now, we also have the uh, mic stand. And then you have a backpack. You've got extra batteries in there. You've got extra lav mics. You've got your stick mic. We're pretty much, I ended up with bruises. I have bruises on my arms all the time from carrying so much stuff. (laughs) So basically... We don't, um, we don't really have any hacks. It's the old school way. So when you're out shooting a story on the street or you're, you're reporting on something and, and then you get any one of the following things happen, whether it's somebody yelling, oh, you're the mainstream media, you're the enemy. How do you deal with, with that one? Because I know you probably get that, what, probably once a month? You're just the mainstream media. You're not going to report this anyway? Yeah, once a month actually is a good, is a good guesstimate. I was actually thinking it'd be a lot more once COVID started. But I think people got a little bit worried to say things to us for some reason. In Dawson Creek, they didn't care. It was all the time. We, <laughs> it was awful. But here, not as much, I've noticed. I don't know. I don't really take it personally because they're looking at us as a whole. So they're not talking to me as a person. They're talking to media as a whole, which it's so broad. You can't just say that we're all mainstream media, right? Like you can assume that because we're labeled as global news, but we're also in Saskatoon. <laughs> So there's a huge difference between global Saskatoon and, you know, CBC and CTV and global Toronto, if you so please. The biggest thing is really comments on the internet. Lots of people, I just, I just don't read them. I don't even, 
If my story goes up on Facebook, I don't even look at it. I don't know if it's there. I don't know where it is. I make sure that I don't check in on it because it could be a great story, a positive story, the best thing you've ever put out. And there will still be 78 negative comments, right? So if you just, like, you just got to ignore those people. It's not you, it's them. Yeah, it's kind of thinking like people get into like all these fights on Twitter and Facebook. And I, I just remind them, I say, you know, if you don't go into it, it actually goes away. Yeah, if you just don't answer them, most of the time they won't badger you. I actually had a question that was like, what's wrong with people? But I think he answered it. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I think most of the time people that put negative comments on the internet are either looking for a response, you know, or they're just not happy in their day to day to begin with. You know, they're pointing out negative things if they so pleased to do that. I mean, go ahead. But it's just it's not it's not a good thing to do in your day to day. You don't need to give those people attention. What's the worst on the job harassment you've experienced? What happened? Uh, um, I actually haven't had anything too, too bad. I mean, when I was in when I was working with Lloyd Connect, we had dealt with a lot of stuff in Lloyd Minster. But that was a an array of concerns that we had had there. Um, we just ended up with some people that didn't like us very much, so they would comment on our stuff all the time. But that wasn't really like an us thing. It was like a company-wide thing. So it was kind of weird. But I haven't really dealt with too many issues. There's always the guy that comes up when you're shooting a stand-up. In Dawson Creek, we had to shoot our own stand-up, so we had to set up the camera and stand there by ourselves. So, I mean, if you're standing on the street with a camera in Dawson Creek by yourself and you're, you know... Red, I'm always in my red dress pants, so it's not like I'm easy, hard to spot. <laughs> People always walk by and, ooh, what are you doing? Ooh, who are you talking to? Oh, is this live? Can I wave to my mom? I'm like, you can wave to your mom all you want, but she's never going to see this, you know? It's pre-recorded, and lots of people don't understand that. But I think uh, I think the worst one, which is not even that bad, I think the worst one so far was I was shooting a stand-up um, downtown Saskatoon, and a guy walked up, and he said blah, 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 what are you talking about? And I was like, oh, I'm talking about the election, I think it was, that was coming up. And he goes, well, who cares about that? I don't want to hear you talking about that. You're female. And I was like, oh, well. <laughs> I was like, nice, nice to meet you. I hope you have a good day. And he just went, blah, 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 whatever. And I said, okay, well, that could have been worse. <laughs> it's always It always goes back to being a female, I find. Why is it that People were scrutinizing your support of the Alberta party. Mm. Is it because you come from a political family or you're a journalist or is it both? Both. I think it was mostly because of my family. I ended up doing a story with City News in Edmonton and they asked me, like, why are you switching? And I was kind of like, I'm not necessarily switching. I'm showing support for the Alberta party because I believe in what they have to say. And I really believed in my candidate, Catherine O'Neill. She's become one of my near and dear friends. I love her death. And I would go to the end of the earth for her. She is the most strong, confident, smart, supportive woman I've ever met in my life. She is who I aspire to be. She was also in journalism. But when it came to, I know my family was very skeptical. They were like, what are you doing? Like, why are you doing this? And I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. I got a lot of skepticism mainly because of my name. But I got a lot of leeway mainly because of my name as well. It was very interesting. It was like you never know what response you were going to get from which person you were talking to. 
allegedly I have a political science degree and it sits right in back of the camera. <laughs> you can see. There it is right That's there. Right there. <laughs> I'm going to ask you, what is the difference between the Alberta party and the conservative party that your grandfather led? So the Alberta party is a little more central. So, you know, they always go left wing, right wing. And then there's always like that little gray area in the middle. <laughs> so there's a lot of assumptions about each side. So if you looked at the Alberta party, you got a little bit of over here and you've got a little bit of over here and it all mixed in the middle. So the Alberta party had a lot to do with the oil field is still, but still lots of those like liberal socialist views. So it was like, if you wanted to meet in the middle, you know, you could. And that's why I really liked it because it was still my Alberta background, but it was like modern socialist views as well. Still focused on the economy but it was like a happy medium. Do you think you're going to get like additional pushback from people because you have strong political views and you're reporting at the same time? I mean, that's a tough balance. Yeah. When I, <laughs> when I came to work here, my interview, um, one of the last questions, my now boss, his name is Doug Lett, He asked me, he just goes, so you did work in politics. And I said, yeah. And he goes, do you think you will be able to be unbiased in, in writing stories? And I said, oh, yeah, of course. Like, it's been something I've been doing my whole life. Even when you're in politics, it's hard to be biased because you have to look at each side. Well, not all people do that. But you have to look at each side and kind of learn where people are coming from in order to make a proper stance, right? So, uh, like, I don't get much pushback because lots of people here don't know about it. Um, I don't really tell a lot of people about it when in a regular day-to-day -day basis. So I don't get a lot of pushback, but anyone who does know is kind of like, are you sure you can do both of those at the same time? And of course I can. What are you talking about? Why not? <laughs> well, it's insane because the pendulum does swing both ways. We've got people in politics who find their way onto radio and lots of people in media. And I can name five pretty much right now between, you know, Peter Kent, Scott Sims, who did the Weather Network. I mean, he's found his way in to Parliament. T Tamara Taggart ran. Frank Cavallaro in Montreal just recently ran for the Conservatives in Mount Royal. Christy Clark is an obvious one. It's practically bedfellows. And you know what? Honestly, it gave me a lot of good background to come into media because if I didn't go into politics and learn about it at 19, I wouldn't know anything about it. You know, we didn't really... We didn't really like have political debates or anything. Like people think that we're sitting at our Christmas table for supper and we're talking about politics the whole time. That's just not the case. We were talking about football majority of the time. <laughs> That's the two aspects of our family is either you're talking about politics or football. And hey, we, we chose football most of the time. We want to avoid those arguments at this kitchen table. We've got a lot of loud people in this family. We can't be arguing that much at Christmas. So. <laughs> Um, it gave me a lot of good insight into what I would be talking about in my career, actually. So it helped quite a bit. Is it 100% talk about the Edmonton elk around the table? Or are we talking Red Blacks and Saskatchewan Rough Riders as well? Oh, everything. Lots of time. It's actually lots of NFL. My uh, my uncles are very diehard. So my, my one Uncle Dale, he watches a lot of college basketball, actually. <laughs> and then my Uncle Darren watches a lot of hockey. And then when they all get together, they just talk about the NFL. It's really weird, actually. They just kind of find a happy medium, and then we ended up talk. We end up talking about everything. There's there's no topic that can't be touched at Christmas. 
<laughs> I know your mom is in town and, and came to visit. We had to reschedule this from yesterday, and it's too bad that you know we didn't get together at that moment because I had my Buffalo Bills shirt on, and that's that's my team. Oh. What's what's your team? You have one in the NFL? Not really. No, I just I'm always so focused on baseball that it's like nothing else is happening. I kind of forgot that hockey even started because it's the playoffs. <laughs> I was like, oh, there's hockey on? Really? I'm watching baseball. As you get a little bit older, you'll start to understand that you really don't need to pay attention to the NHL season until about February. Yeah, correct. Pretty much. Same thing with baseball. You don't need to watch preseason, really. It doesn't have anything to do with anything. Why the New York Yankees? My dad liked the Yankees. I feel like this is such a common response. I follow my dad quite a bit, but he, uh, I think I ended up being a little more diehard than he is now because like everything that I own is Yankees and my wallet is Yankees. My keychain is Yankees. My shoes are Yankees, my sweaters, my hats, my hoodies. He's like, is there anything that you own that doesn't have a Yankee symbol on it? And you know, I, coffee cups. I realized I don't have a coffee cup. That's about it. I feel at your age, you're trying to accomplish so much and you've got these you know, multifaceted goals out there. For instance, you've got your hand in politics a little bit. You've got a job in media and you're still aspiring to be the second baseman for the New York Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> so how do you take care of yourself so you can manage all that? Because you seem really busy. Oh, man. I honestly don't feel that busy. Um I guess I was super busy in school, but now that I'm kind of out in Saskatoon, just getting grounded, um, the number one thing is just moving so much, trying to not lose all your stuff (laughs) while you move four times a year. That's kind of the biggest thing, but taking care of myself is more so just, you know, when you, when you uh, work in media, you kind of have to come home and forget about everything you did that day. You know, lots of it is a lot of negative and sad and depressing. So you have to kind of come home, just sit down for a second and breathe and go, that's it's not my issue. I just tell people about it. <laughs> I can't take this on emotionally. So I just kind of I focus a lot on breathing, I guess. I drink a lot of coffee because if you don't drink coffee, you'll fall asleep. <laughs> and I like to cook. I like to just cook and go to the gym. Do you have political aspirations? I think so. One day when I did my interview with City News, they asked if I wanted to be the premier of Alberta. And I said, well, um, you never know, I guess. I'm only, I turned 25 next month. So if you're thinking at 25 that maybe one day you're going to be the premier, that's a pretty large aspiration. But um, one day I would like to get back into it. And media aspirations. I mean, you're in Saskatoon. I mean, I know you just got there, so it's not fair to say, oh, what's next and what, what is the next thing? But <laughs> inevitably, if you were to look three or four years down the road, what's, what's what are the media goals? Oh, I want to be able to get back into sports. Working in news, I do love news. Now that I've done it so much in school, I was like, I don't want to do anything about news. I'm just doing it because I have to. But now I really like it. But get back into sports um, and try and get my name out there, I guess. Lots of people still don't know who I am, which obviously, how would they? I just got here. <laughs> but eventually the end goal is, you know, like TSN, SportsCenter, Sportsnet, or MLB Network, you know, with Yes Network, the Yankees, that'd be awesome. Um, those are pretty far goals, but they're still there. They've always been there for the last 10 years. So I'm not uh, giving up anytime soon. Do you have any favorite female uh, sportscasters, whether they're calling the game or they're doing sideline? 
I love Kate Burness. Um, I love Kayla Gray. I think they're both trailblazers. They do a lot of like innovation and you're seeing a lot of women now in sports. They're doing a lot of full women broadcasts, which are amazing. And I think if anything, I want to be one of those trailblazers. I want to get up there and make moves and get more women into the industry where they belong. They're smart. They know what they're talking about. And I think it's that time. Montana, thanks so much for being on the podcast. I really enjoyed speaking with you and it's uh, it's all up from here for you. Thank you. Yeah, I was happy to be here. The Sound Off Podcast is written and hosted by Matt Kundle. Produced by Evan Serminski. Social media by Courtney Krebsbach. Another great creation from the Sound Off Media Company. Imaging courtesy Core Image Studios. There's always more at soundoffpodcast.com. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast. Heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.